I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll kick this episode off with the six captain's picks from Team Europe set to take place. The Ryder Cup in Marcus Simone at the end of September. Definitely one guy on the outside looking in for Team Europe that I think most people thought was going to qualify. But a lot of great picks by Luke Donald. We'll break those down. And then we got a big weekend coming up. Bachelor party for Dubby down in Pinehurst. We got Tobacco Road. We got Legacy Golf Links. And we got the Part 3 course, the infamous Cradle at Pinehurst. We'll talk a lot about the golf and the other festivities we have planned for this weekend. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, the boys are back. We don't have much golf going on, but we are headed and looking forward to the Ryder Cup, and we had a big week for that. We had the European team captain, Luke Donald, come out and make his six picks, which, prefacing this, I would like to say that Team Europe making their picks, which was picks, was such a well-oiled machine. They were in a big conference room. People were there. People were clapping. People were, you know, they, they'd introduced the player. They'd run this really great reel of all his accomplishments over the past 12 months. And then they would bring in the Zoom call from the player. And it, everything technically went really well versus when you watch the U.S. one, they brought, like, all the guys up on the screen. And there was, like, an easily a 20-second, like, silence where no one knew yeah. who to talk or what to go on. So... Anyways, a, a well-run production, but Luke Donald takes, and not in any order, Tommy Fleetwood. I think we all knew that one. Sepp Straka, our dog, our, our Coke boy. He's a bulldog, right? Bulldog. Uh, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Nikolai Hoygaard, and the rookie. Also never played in a major, but making his Ryder Cup debut, Ludwig Aberg, the Texas Tech standout, number one player out of college. Just won his first DP World Tour event this past week kind of cemented his place on this team. Let's go through some of these guys. So Tommy Fleetwood, not much surprise there. Guy's been playing great golf. Probably should have won maybe three times over the past 12 months. So I, the, the interesting thing to note about him that I don't really know that I truly understand is why is he a captain's pick when he's basically like top 10 in the world? It's yeah, Because it's so European biased tour towards events. European tour yeah. events. Because I saw like Bob McIntyre was, was a automatic qualifier and he's like, out of the top 100 in like world rankings or right. data golf rankings or you know things like that, but he's fifth on the DP World Tour rankings, right. yeah, yeah, which is crazy. So Tommy should be a good showing. We know Mollywood, him and Francesco Molinari, a few years back at the Golf National was like one of the best pairings, probably for the fans. And then their their record was, I think they went undefeated. So it's kind of like a like a Xander Cantlay kind of thing they had going on. Now, Francesco Molinari's not playing good golf anymore, so he's not on this team. <clears throat> Who? But uh, I'm expecting Tommy to kind of show out. He knows this course well. He's played it quite a few times being on the DP World Tour. Uh, it should be a great week for Tommy. 
Next one up, Sepp Straka. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this one. You know, I think we got Ken going a full 180 here, going from hating Sepp to now he's kind of like a Sepp fan. Wasn't Sepp an auto qualifier? No, Sepp was a pick. Sepp was a pick. Yeah, so I think Sepp getting in here is just, I don't know. He's got plenty of game, right? Won the John Deere this year. Uh, another guy that this course is going to set up well for. He's just consistent off the tee. Doesn't blast it off me. He probably hits it 300, but he's a very consistent driver of the golf ball. We know he's a great putter. I think it's a, it's a great pick for Team Europe. Then next, we got Nikolai Hoygaard. I mean, this kid's been playing some great golf. I think that there's, you know, some of these names we read, we read off, there were probably four guys that were fighting for the last two or three spots. And Nikolai Hoygaard was one of them, but he's got three top tens in his last three starts. He had a great weekend at the Omega this past weekend. A pretty easy pick for, for Luke Donald when you think about young talent and guys up and coming on this tour. You know, a lot of the rhetoric was like, changing of the guard, right? Because you don't have your Lee Westwood. You don't have your Ian Poulter. Some of your older, more experienced guys, number one, they're not playing good enough golf. And then number two, the whole live thing, probably, I don't know. I think the DP World Tour was just like, absolutely nobody on Liv is playing on this team. Uh, but Nikolai Horgard, one of those young names that I think he's got the potential to be like a Westwood or a Poulter as his career progresses. Next guy, Shane Lowry. This one, I think... Is a lock. Is, uh, I love Shane Lowry, 2019 Open champion. But Shane Lowry only has like one top 10 this year or something like that. It is abysmal. So this is a pick that Luke Donald went out on a limb and said, we need more experience. This guy's played in two Ryder Cups. We need an older figure in this locker room because we got four guys on this team that are first timers. And I'm picking Shane Lowry. He thinks he shows up in the big moment kind of guy. I'm pretty sure he's there in case they win so they have someone to get the party going <laughs> properly. You know, he's, he's got experience there. He's shown his ability to just have a great time. That's why he's there. I feel like he'd be a guy that like people want to play with. Like, oh, yeah. You're relaxed when you're with him, and like one of these young guys maybe pair him up with him just to maybe get experience or something. But it's like, hey, relax, man. We're out here. We're having a good time. So it's funny because as Ben was talking about this, it kind of sounds a lot like JT, like yeah. not playing very well. But then you look at it, like Lowry had 10 times a better season than oh, JT yeah. did. And so it's just amazing the gap between those two of these guys that are more like glue guys holding the team together, guys you want to play with. And yet, you know, he still legitimately should qualify versus JT that it's like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but at the same quite. time, like even though obviously we know JT not playing his best golf, you know, there's a photo of him at, you know, whatever course with all sorts of pool noodles yeah, and stuff yeah. looking like straight out of, you know, a tin cup when he got, can't figure out his yeah, swing. That's when you know it's um, going bad. But like, no, I don't think anyone in this room or anyone really out there would be like when they're both playing, you know, average to themselves that Shane Lowry is anywhere close to JT. I think in, in these kind of conditions that, yeah. that Marcus Simone present, I mean, I know JT plays well in, in, in tough conditions, but I think Lowry's a really good links player. So, but I don't know. I'm not here arguing JT or Lowry who's better. But I do think that this might be a bigger stretch than taking JT on the team. JT's record in match play is is undoubtedly probably... It'll, he'll go down as one of the best match play players of all time. I, I fully believe that. Lowry's record is very subpar. He did not have a good season. I see why you put him in to be a glue guy here. But man, like Luke Donald went out on a limb for this one, in my you, opinion. You seem like you don't like this pick. Who would you have put in there instead of Shane? Yeah, so the big snub on this one is the guy, Adrian Mironk. And so Adrian, playing great golf, came top 10 last week at the Omega, uh, was in the running. He just kind of had a, a lackluster weekend. I think if he has a good weekend there, kind of like how Ludwig had a good weekend and ended up winning, if Mironk ends up coming like top three or wins that thing, I think you have to put him in. I don't know if you take Shane out, but so Adrian Mironk won the 2023 Australian Open, 
the 2022 Irish Open, so these are all within the past 12 months, and then he won the 2023 Italian Open at the course that they're going to be playing the Ryder Cup at. He's got five other top 10s this season, and he's third in the race to Dubai. So just like the numbers screen that Adrian Moronk should have been on this team, when you watch him play, he has a lot of traits that fit this course really well, which is probably why he won here. He's a great driver of the golf ball. He's real consistent. And I think going into this week, it was him or Rob McIntyre could move in to become an automatic qualifier for this team. Now, Rob had like a couple hundred point lead on him, so Moronk was probably going to have to win. So Moronk gets a top 10, doesn't auto-qualify, but he's essentially the first man out and not auto-qualifying, and they picked five or six guys lower than him on the list. Now, like Tommy and and Shane, like they don't play on the DP World Tour a lot, so they're not like apples-to-apples comparisons. But I think Shane is getting in here purely because Luke Donald needs some leadership because, yeah, putting Adrian Moronk and Ludwig Aberg out in a grouping... It's like you're really risking something there because they're both rookies. They're both like yeah, a little They're going to get nervous. eaten alive by Ricky and JT. Absolutely. Something. So you put Shane in for the leadership, but, you know, you could have put Mironk in over another guy we haven't talked about, Nikolai Hoygaard. I don't know. Nikolai's playing great as well, but, you know, uh, Luke Donald pretty much had three spots. He wanted to pick three young players or two spots with two young players, and he had three guys to pick from, and Mironk just doesn't make the cut here. I think he also kind of sent a message with his captain's picks as far as playing on the PGA Tour is more of a priority. Like, a lot of the captain's picks were guys who are consistently playing on that top level versus, ironically enough, guys on the European Tour. Isn't that weird? <clears throat> like, Moronk is kind of fits that mold. He's played in some PGA Tour events, but he's mostly on the European Tour, not quite playing at that top, top level. Like, I don't think Luke Donald doesn't make me mad with these picks. I can, can totally see the direction he's going in. But it, it just seems so tough. Now, like, I don't know, if Cam Young had had a great year and you pick Sam Burns over Cam Young, you could be like, okay, like, I guess I can see it. Like, Sam's young, he's got some fire, but, you know, Cam had a better year. It's, like, kind of the same situation. Like, how could you take how could you take Cam or Sam Burns if Cam Young had a better year? It's a tough one. So then the other guys we alluded to, Nikolai Hoygaard gets in, right? Like, I think three top tens in his last four starts. He's in great form. Justin Rose... Maybe another one. He had an okay year, but he's kind of in that Shane Lowry category where not playing that great, but brings incredible leadership to this team. He's been in, I think, six Ryder Cups, and he actually missed the last one because he wasn't playing well. So talk about a ton of experience. I think that's why he gets in. And then the last one is Ludwig Aberg. He's kind of that guy we've been talking about all season out of Texas Tech, right? Rookie of the year. Or, uh, not, uh, I don't know if they've given Rookie of the Year yet, but it'll probably be him. He hasn't even played in a major a major championship yet, and he, he gets picked to play in a Ryder Cup. This is the first time that's ever happened. I'm pretty surprised. I mean, six months ago, Ludwig Aberg was playing in the, the Big 12 <laughs> Conference Championship, and now he's playing in the Ryder Cup without even having played a major. It's a pretty crazy story. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking just in general at the how the Europeans do their decision-making team-wise. They have two different lists. They have a European points list, which is like for all your DP World Tour stuff, and then they have your world points list. So it's if you look at the two of them, it's it's interesting to me. Like we look at uh, Hoshgard or whatever. His brother is higher on the European points list and got skipped over. But um, what's the other? What's the, Ras- uh, yeah, Rasmus? Not Rasmus, but what's the guy that got Nikolai? Sorry, there it is. Nikolai was higher on the one, and he got picked for that. It's it's very weird compared to the U.S., which is just strictly it's just one list of people. It's kind of like it's tough to measure. And like compare because they didn't strictly just take the European, you know, studs, quote unquote. And I, they've also changed their model. I haven't looked into this very much, but I know the U.S. 
hasn't always been six captains picks. It's previously been four at times. And I know when Podrick picked the last Ryder Cup team for Team Europe, he only had four captains picks, but this year it was six. That's an interesting dynamic how they, like, a year out they decide we're getting six picks instead of four picks. And it just leads for a lot more excitement the more captains picks you have. Yeah, that's what, that's what it was saying. It says there's three automatic qualifiers for the world points list and then three from the Euro points list. So they, they're definitely trying to tweak some things going in. But overall, I think they're, they made good choices. I think, I think including Abergen, even though obviously very little experience, including Nikolai in there, like it's kind of going back and starting to rebuild what we clearly saw they lost in terms of they had just a bunch of the older guys in there that should have been gone a while ago, maybe. And now they're starting to get that uh, that new regime in there with keeping a Shane Lowry, keeping a um, Justin Rose in there to kind of help usher in this new generation. And then you have your kind of bridge between the two with Rom and Rory and Fleetwood kind of still there that are more in their prime. So I think in it's a smart overall play for the team. I don't know how well it's going to fare out this year necessarily, but I think it's a smart long-term play. Yeah, and the interesting thing to know, I'd love to understand if if Ludwig was going to be picked had he not won his last opportunity. I mean, that that kind of put him in as a lock because he hadn't won anything previously. Certainly he was playing really well. He's that kind of, like you just said, the next generation of elite talent. And he was right on that bubble, and then he went goes out and wins a, a pretty serious event. I mean, there were some big names there that he beat. And so I, I think that kind of solidified his spot. <clears throat> I think there's a really legit argument to put Adrian Moronk in over Ludwig Aberg if he doesn't win this past weekend. Just because, you know, I think you put Nikolai in over Adrian because Nikolai's been playing really good for the past three years, and Moronk's really just turned it on this past 12 months. So I can see how you're saying, you know, they're both playing great golf, but Nikolai's been playing better golf for a longer time, so we think he'll stand the test better. But if Ludwig doesn't win that tournament, I think that... Luke Donald might go out on a limb and pick him because he's just right. He's trying to pick the next guy because it looks like Ludwig Aberg is going to be the guy for a long time. But I think that, you know, in, in turn, if Adrian Mironk wins that tournament, he also probably gets in at that 12th pick. Even if he doesn't win, I think he's got a little bit of an edge over Aberg. But Aberg made it a no-brainer by taking that thing down. Yeah, I think the Mironk, not to be ageist or anything, but I think it was let's take the 23-year-old that looks like he's going to be an absolute stud over the 30-year-old that, Realistically, yeah, he's been around for a while, but it's only maybe these last couple of years he's been playing a little bit better. And then do we? how long is that really going to last, you know, in terms of other people just coming in and passing him? I think we're in for a little dogfight. I mean, I think oh, that yeah. these picks that they've had, you know, I think they could have went with some more some more boring picks. But you get, I mean, I can already see Shane Lowry's, like, cheeks just jiggling while he's fist pumping after he makes a 20-footer. Like, I can already see it. So I... That's why I don't hate that pick. Like Which Shane's cheeks not, are we talking about? Facial cheeks. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> but I don't hate that pick because you're right. Shane, I mean, and he's got to be there for the celebration at the pub afterward. But, you know, they're going to put Shane out with some of these younger guys. Like him and Ludwig would be great because Ludwig's a little bit monotone. He probably doesn't get too excited. Shane will get him fired up. And then Shane will just be a consistent guy to go out there and make a couple pars and let Ludwig just send it. So, so when we kind of step back and look at this European team as a whole, it's amazing how completely different that is. this is than past years. They almost have more likable guys. Of us as fans in the U.S., the European team as a whole almost has more likable guys than the U.S. Agreed. Like people you enjoy rooting for. Versus in the past, it's like, oh my god, I can't stand watching Poulter get excited and and Sergio being a, oh, a yeah. dick out oh, there yeah. on the greens and like you just almost love to hate that European team. And now it's like, 
You know, oh, yeah. I'm just you know hoping the best team wins and looking forward to some good golf. Yeah, who is there to hate? Hatton, maybe the only one yeah, just for how hot. And he I think you even love him. Yeah, he's kind of so like funny. Seeing Sepp. Sepp. Ken hates Sepp, so maybe there's a villain. I think the most hated person in the Ryder Cup this year could end up being like Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's most hated by Kepka. Yes. No, but I think this Ryder, this European Ryder Cup team has a lot of. I mean, man. They gel good together. Like, you can – there's a lot of firepower here. Like, I think the U.S. team still, like, talent-wise is better. But it feels a little fractured. I don't know why the U.S. team just doesn't feel like it has a lot of camaraderie. Like, there's some good pairings. But, like, Max Homa, for example, like, great player, good guy in the clubhouse. But we just don't really know who he plays well without on the course yet. I could see Victor Hovland, Rory, and Rom playing with literally any of these guys. And it's like they just would gel better than – I don't know who you put home out with kind of thing. Yeah, and, like – I think, you know, I already spoke about the whole structure. I think that they had a little bit more flexibility here because, like, looking at the list, like, I think Rom and Rory were both technically top on both lists, like their European and world lists. Right. So they got to then grab some of those guys that already had the camaraderie but didn't wouldn't have auto-qualified if it was maybe a little different. So they were able to kind of structure it a little better that, you know, we'll look at a, a Wyndham Clark or a Brian Harmon then got in there that are maybe some of the oddballs on the U.S. side. So that I agree that the camaraderie, the team chemistry on the European team, I think is definitely stronger. I am worried. I think the U.S. should have the firepower to win it. But I, we've seen this before, especially when they go overseas. The U.S., you know, tends to struggle. Yeah, I think the six autos for Europe, Rory, Rom, Hovland, Fitzpatrick, Sepp, and Hatton, those are the six best players on Europe. Like, they're the six. They're playing the best golf. I mean, maybe Tommy over Hatton a little bit, but those six guys are all playing really good golf. The U.S., yeah, Brian Harmon and Wyndham Clark are a little worrisome for us. And even like Xander and Cantley haven't been playing, Cantley a little bit better over the past month or two, and Xander played great at Eastlake because he loves that course, but those guys haven't been lighting the world on fire. And I would say everyone on this list, except for maybe Matt Fitzpatrick, who also just had a good week last week, they're all playing really solid golf, and they have been for the past six months. Which, like, looking at the list, is there anyone that you're particularly excited to see? Like, any proposed matchups now that we have both sides uh, we talked about a little bit when the u.s got their stuff out there you know we want to see you know obviously we always love the, the spieth jt and rory mixtures all that kind of stuff and then like who they're going to come out now have a matchup against anything a dream matchup per se uh, i think for me it'll i'm just more excited to see the like parody in these groups because i think the european side has a clear i mean they have three of the top four players in the world right now i would say and so it'll be interesting if they I think they're going to have to ride those guys out every single matchup. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see, do they, they keep them with the same guy? Do they pair some of those guys together? Or is it more, you know, spreading it around? So I'm, I'm more excited to see, like, just different pairings versus any, like, particular ones. Okay. And part of me thinks that even though this, this European Ryder team, Cup team looks pretty good, like, if you put a Seb Straka, Shane Lowry pairing out there against the Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantlay, it's like, they look like they have no chance, but that's the whole charm of them. Yeah. Like, and I think that's probably Europe's mo. They always look like they have no chance. <laughs> that's Europe. That's been Europe's mo for the past thirty years. It's kind of like you put two guys out there that don't scream on the on the charts like they're going to win this match, and then they just go out and bulldog you. Yeah, and and I'm excited to see Hovland. You know, he's hottest golfer in the world. Is he number one? I, don't no, know I think I've he's noticed. still number four. So he's like arguably that. the best golfer in the world, like right now, as well as he's playing. Is he going to develop that like killer mentality out here in this kind of format, or is he still going to be that, 
you know, happy-go-lucky guy that he kind of carries on as. Yeah, it'd also be interesting to see if, like, maybe he, him or somebody else gets that, you know, heats up like we saw with Scotty a couple years back where then he came came out and dominated in majors and yeah. all the tournaments. If we see something like that where someone catches fire, I mean, I assume it's not going to be one of the guys. You know, it wouldn't be surprising if we saw Scotty Scheffler get hot or Rory get hot. But it'd be great if we saw all of a sudden Max Homa comes out, plays great in this, and then comes out and wins the Masters next year or something. I got a question for you guys. If you're playing match play, would you rather play a guy that's game is more like Victor Hovland, where it's fairways, it's greens, it's I'm not going to make too many putts, I'm, and when I miss a green, I'm, I'm going to have like a 5'10 footer, but I'm going to hit lots of greens? Or would you rather play a Jordan Spieth, who looks like he's out of the hole, and all of a sudden... He just puts one from the trees to five feet. Which one do you think would, would you like to play against? I'm playing Spieth 10 times out of 10 because I will get in his head. He's <laughs> gonna, he is going to eat himself alive, and that would be, that would just be the strategy. It's like he has one bad shot, and you just kind of smirk at him or something. Just let him know that you know he screwed up. That's the guy I want to play. I, I think it's tougher going against a guy like Spieth because if you're hitting the ball well and you're hitting fairways and greens, and you're playing a guy who has no business being on the same planet as you, how he's hitting the ball, and he's still right there making his pars, rolling in some birdies, that gets old because it, it kind of gets in your head like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, I can't hit more fairways or greens. I'm hitting all of them. As much as I want to be on, on your side there, I I'm think I'm with Tyler where I would choose to play that more maybe erratic player because – Regardless if, you know, a Jordan has that history of being able to hit those recovery shots and get up and down and somehow, you know, pull shit out of his ass there. But that's also it's so easy to mess that up. You know, when you like if you're in a weird situation, it's a one in, you know, 20 chance that you actually successfully do that. So I think you, you just have a better chance to do it. And if they are struggling a little bit, the one moment they get that, where it doesn't go, then it, they get in their own head. You don't even have to worry about trying to talk your shit and stuff, too. Uh, I will say, kind of on a similar note, and this doesn't help the U.S. side, the guy that I'm I'm least worried about playing is a guy like Scotty Scheffler who can't putt. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, well, he can hit all the greens he wants. He's not making anything. And so, you know, that puts you a little bit more at ease. Maybe this is the week or the, the weekend that it all changes for him, but definitely not very intimidating when nothing's dropping on the flip side there is that he's still shooting his average was what like a 67 or whatever this year on the pga tour so he's still getting his birdies and then for the most other part he's just getting pars yeah. so it's you're gonna have to go beat him he's not gonna necessarily take it because <laughs> he's not making those putts but you're gonna have to step up and have a hell of a round seemingly to beat scotty I'll round us out here. I think I would rather play a Victor Hovland over a Jordan Spieth. I think to similar points that Dub says is like, you know, you hit a fairway, you hit a green, you got a 15-footer for birdie, and you feel like you're in the driver's seat. And I'm not thinking I'm over here going to have a mental collapse, but then Jordan's in the trees, he punches one out, and then he chips it to an inch. You're kind of thinking like, oh, he missed the green. Like, you know, I got a good chance to win this hole. Now you're like... Now you're tentative on your birdie puck because you're like, now I can't make bogey, right? I got to make par. I don't think, I'm not like mentally weak, but God, there's nothing worse than thinking you have a hole or you're in a really commanding spot and all of a sudden things flip. It's really hard to stay in your own mental space when you're in match play. You're always thinking kind of what's going on with the other player. So you're naturally doing the, I got a lead or I'm behind kind of thing. And with Jordan, it would just be like, every time I think I was ahead or I was behind, even when you're behind, you think oh, I'm behind, then Jordan 
does something crazy. Then you're like, oh, I'm ahead. And then he does something amazing, and you're like, oh, I'm behind again. I think what we're seeing here is that the two scratch golfers that expect themselves to be hitting greens and fairways all the time, you know, that they want to be rewarded for that versus Tyler and I are maybe a little more erratic or like, yeah. We're let, more the games. Yeah, let, let someone else fuck up too kind of situation. It's a division so, of skills here. So the, the example in our group of this is my thought. I would not want to play Colin because he is that – Hits the ball kind of a little all, all over the place. Definitely consistent at times. But he's always in the hole, like especially the last few weeks at league. It just seems like his short game is just so on point. And me not being able to make putts or anything like that is just like, oh, God. It's just more backbreaking when you see a guy chip it from the middle of nowhere close and make like an eight-footer for par. It's just, you know. It, yeah, but it gets but, old. But to Tyler's point, you can definitely get in Colin's head. <laughs> well, I will say I was like physically upset this past week at Lee. We went, but we didn't have any matches. So it was me and Larry versus Colin and Tully. And like, I don't know, Larry wasn't playing great. I was playing pretty consistent, just kind of fairways and greens. And I felt like we had a stranglehold in that match because Colin wasn't hitting it that well. And then all of a sudden he's just 30 footer for par, eight footer for par. <laughs> Out of the trees to ten feet for birdie, and it was like, that's. I think that just leads leads me further to my conclusion that I hate playing guys like that. That's usually the shit I do. I usually put it in the trees and then put it on the green, and then the guy I'm playing with his hand starts shaking over a twenty foot birdie putt. Colin literally on a par five tops his drive yeah. off the tee shot, kind of like hits a chunky whatever like out to the right, almost in the almost bushes. Goes in the tall shit, misses and, it by a foot, and then. Thinks he like blades it, but then sticks it to like six inches. Literally, for an like, inch. the tap <laughs> an inch for birdie. That's what that that hole. I thought to myself, like I hit a drive a little bit up the right side, kind of comes rolling down the hill. Hit a nine iron, hits the fringe, jumps left to the green, and I got a little bit of a tough chip. But I'm like, oh, we can get this up and down for birdie. And then I go up and walk up, and Collins one inch from the hole after topping his fucking driver. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit! I like, I gotta definitely get this up and down now. Speaking of dub with the, the nice little. Accidental bye week in league. That was kind of nice. Yeah, it for pays you. to concede your first round match. Apparently, <laughs> did JP email or anything yet? Did he tell you you're back in? No, I'm yeah. just I'm just getting all this information. Yeah, he hasn't he told confirmed us. anything. Oh, JP, okay. if you're listening, we need a, we need an update <laughs> on the playoffs. We don't know who the hell's in or who's out. All right, let's jump into BPO golf. We got a big weekend coming up. We leave on Thursday for Pinehurst, the mecca of golf. We got a bunch of golf rounds planned. We got Dubby's bachelor party. We got Thursday night football. Oh, my God, we are in for a weekend. We're going to get there early Thursday. We're going to play a course that I actually got to play in college a lot. It's one of our home courses, Legacy Golf Links. I'm excited for you guys to see it. It's a really – it actually is a really great course. Like, every time I think about it and I want to tell you guys how great it is, I don't want to tell you because I don't want to, like, it to fall short of I expectations. there's a lot of water. <laughs> but there's, like, yeah, like, probably half the holes are kind of, like, maybe on a river. It's not extremely difficult. Like, it's all kind of out there in front of you to see. Are there trees? Yeah, it's, is it's there heavy. water? Well, like the fairways um, are screwed. wide. Well, the fairways are wide, but then it's heavily treed outside the fairways. Give me a give me a comp to something that we're playing often around here, if there is one or closest to what you, what we're working with. Yeah, I would say it's like PB die without the ridiculous <sighs> greens. Yeah, <laughs> totally. We are screwed. <laughs> yeah. I shot an eighty three PB die. Yeah, yeah. You know how like PB die is not that intimidating off the tee. Like you got room, but you know if you miss it big, you're kind of screwed. Like it's there got are a lot that. of blind shots where you don't know where your ball actually went. Even no, you it good. there are not blind shots, but it's got the wide fairways. It's got the nice greens. Luckily, these greens are not nearly as crazy. Um, but it's like a Jack Nicholas course. It's like a little tricky around the greens. Are usually a little raised up, but it's not something that's so hard. It's like impossible. And you got a lot of really pretty holes, which is why I kind of think it's like PB die. You got a par three that's literally right along the river. The water doesn't really 
Fuck. It doesn't really. It's like it's it's left of the green, but it's really left of the green. I'm gonna find it. Par threes are right. Nemesis. I have found that water plenty of times, but generally speaking, you can bail out right and have a nice chip. But it's got you know a par four where you drive it over the water, but the water doesn't. You know the water doesn't really come into play unless you hit a really bad shot. I've hit it in that water a lot, but generally speaking, fairways are wide. The greens are always in great shape, and then you got some awesome par threes. Yeah, it'll be a good way to kick off the trip, you know, ease into a, a fun, playable golf course before we take on the beast the next day. <clears throat> I think the don't best. play the cradle until the following day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we'll finish up that round, right? We'll go watch Thursday Night Football, slam some beers, get up at like what? No, I'm not slamming beers. I'm taking it easy because I want to be. You don't. Oh, I'm getting older. Yeah. You don't play Tobacco <laughs> Road until like 2 o'clock. I know. You I'm got getting older. Plenty of time. I'm, I'm getting, getting older. Me after the soccer banquet this past year, I needed a whole day. Oh, <laughs> it's just going to be casual watching. It's casual beers. Never casual. <laughs> Zippy's not going to be there. You'll be fine. He wasn't there at the soccer thing. Mickey's either. not going to be there. You'll be fine. True. So the Friday rounds afternoon? Yeah. Oh, God, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, this group does not do well waking up When's at, the last like, time we played a boarding round? Well, I just kind of thought Bradshaw's making these plans. He doesn't really know <laughs> how we operate. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so then Friday, right, the big reveal, Tobacco Road. None of us have played it. I never got a chance to play it. My mom asked me. She's like, can't believe you never played there. You only went to school like an hour away. I said, yeah, I guess when you're in college playing golf, when you have free time, you don't play golf. So Fair. we were just drinking. We didn't want to go play a nice course and have to pay for it. But... We are in for a treat, right? This course pay for golf and alcohol. This yeah. course is notorious for all of its blind shots. I think luckily we'll be popping up some phone GPS just so we'll have an idea of where to hit it, <laughs> like so we won't look like complete idiots. But I'm sure yeah. the course is still going to eat us alive. It's tight. There's dunes everywhere. You got greens on par fours that are so elevated that if you spin a wedge off the front of the green, it comes back a hundred yards. Kind of corkiness. You got drivable holes. You got layup holes. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I cannot wait to watch Bones try to hit one of those. <laughs> Does he know what he's in for? No, Does he, he has any no, idea? He has yeah. no idea. Bones better bring so, 24 balls. I honestly think a, a Bones may actually you know, exceed expectations here because what you're saying about like how the, how the greens are, if you have any sort of spin on them, it's just going to be end up in really weird places. Whereas oh, I you don't think bones can't spin. The ball? I don't imagine bones is, you know, <laughs> compressing it back on half a knee. And I don't think he's get you know, getting that backspin that, you know, Ben or dub typically get that. It, I think he's going to maybe have a little bit better luck than we think. You know, my prediction is that, is that Tyler's going to play kind of legit because he kind of like wants to know what he could shoot here. Oh, don't Bones ain't going to be playing no legit yeah. golf, and he's going to be like, Tyler, you don't beat my six. <laughs> you play college golf. It's going to happen. No, so every time I play with Kevin with groups of friends, I always play awful because that's always in the back of my mind. It's like I'm playing frustrated. It's like, damn it, Kevin, just let me enjoy this. So the funniest thing is I don't think he's been prepped on the uh, quality of this golf course and the uh, I don't think he could bill. be prepped. I think he knows the bill. I, oh, think, okay. I, think, I think we've gave him that information, so I think that clued him in theoretically a little bit yeah. to the quality of it. But I don't think he can. He's played anything comparable, um, realistically. Yeah. So, so this whole trip was planned around playing Tobacco Road. This has definitely was been planned on, on like eating bones alive. Just yeah. destroy. <laughs> so, so top of the bucket list. This course, you see it on all these YouTube videos, designed by this mad scientist kind of character. Who Ken? just wants chaos? Yeah, and so it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see what it's like out there. So here's here's a good question, at least from my perspective. What's everyone's goal score wise to beat on Tobacco Road? I just want to be in the nineties. I think that would be a great accomplishment. Yeah, I don't. I'm 
I try to say, oh, I just want to have a good time and enjoy the course. But uh, realistically, but you yeah, know you're going to come back. I have and no say, score what did expectations. You shoot? Yeah, what did you yeah. shoot? My goal every time until it happens is 79. I'm sticking <laughs> to it. Tell if you get 79 at Tobacco Road, I'll pay for your round. He's going to play the Red Tees. You hear so. that? You hear red Tees. Red Tees. Tiffy said it. Documented. Fuck, I have no idea, man. I like, I, I want so. I'm not going to pay for your round if you shoot 79. I want so badly to be like, yeah, I want to be able to shoot par around here, but I just fucking know third hole. I'm going to send one into fucking middle of nowhere, and I'm going to be like, hmm, breakfast ball? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, someone's got to look at the number of balls in Kevin's pocket just, just so we know, because there's at least four of them he's in He's going to have back time. problems by the end of the round. His <laughs> one side's going to have all the balls in <laughs> Too Why bad. are you wearing cargo shorts today, yeah. Kevin? <laughs> too bad we're not videoing this. We could have like the ball counter. Like, time it takes to pull a ball from the it's pocket. Not too late. Number of balls lost. Yeah. Kevin's first appearance on the BPO Instagram. <laughs> so then we round out the trip on Saturday with just an all-time favorite, the cradle, the part three course at, at Pinehurst. You got probably shortest holes, like probably 50 yards longest is maybe 120, but it's kind of downhill. So 50 to 100 yards, nine holes, 50 bucks. Let, Watch. I hope it's still 50 bucks. Yeah, it's, it's like $300 now. now. Yeah, it's 50 bucks, and it's usually all you can play. Now it's pretty popular, so it's a little tough to get out sometimes on the second, third time. But last time we went, I think Tully and Maimon played 27. You play it in, what, like an hour? Yeah, I think it was me, Maimon, and Josh played 27 yeah. while you guys all went to the kids' buffet. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking about. I remember the buffet. That was my favorite part. So assuming we play two rounds on the cradle, what are the legitimate odds that we have a hole in one we like, have what do you put it at 20 percent. what were there 16 of us there last that's time that's i was trying 12? to think how many there were last oh, just 12 oh uh, 12 but everybody golfed on that versus right. we'll have a and we didn't even have one we'll have a bradshaw we'll, ha- <laughs> we'll we'll have a dalton the people that don't really know how to play we played golf. like what probably 150 holes and nobody had a hole in one last time yeah. that's nuts somebody <laughs> came really close but maimon's lipped out yeah, i heard yeah. allegedly <clears throat> yeah he told him it went in though i heard that, that hole-in-one story, very comparable to Mickey's hole-in-one story where no one believed it. And luckily, Dub and Tully are there to, like, you know, they're like the... Weren't you guys playing with, with no, Maimon? No. Oh, oh, no. So it, oh, with Maimon. With, with Maimon. Maimon. Oh, with yes. Maimon. Oh, I thought you were talking about with Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? No, no. But then nobody trustworthy was playing with Mickey for his hole-in-one, <laughs> so we can't confirm it actually happened. He's got a plaque yeah, at Maryland yeah. National. God, what a bit. The bit to end all bits. So not only the fact that he got a hole-in-one, but the fact that he hit a seven-iron from 200 or whatever it was. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, game. yeah. Like, okay. Mickey hit seven-iron You're, o- you're overselling yeah. it a little bit too much here. And like the half smirk with the picture. <laughs> nah, yeah. You'd be full-on cheesing if you made a hole one but so we got a nice little house i didn't realize this house is on it's on pinehurst lake which is like a pretty nice area we're probably maybe a hundred yards across the lake to like the i don't know like the 11th green on like number five or something like that oh, we're actually yeah. like right in the middle of pinehurst so really does dope. it come with a little like rowboat we can go across and hit yeah some balls? in the middle of the night you're free to play the pinehurst courses i'm in don't think i won't <laughs> <laughs> don't challenge a drunk me but we got a pool with the house. We got like a putting green inside. I don't know how Bradshaw found this place. I mean, I assume most ho- houses in Pinehurst are centered around golf, yeah. but this place is like a little bit of a mecca. Yeah, yeah. pretty decent housing option. And we're used to going on these golf trips and like nothing's really catered well for us, but well, there are a lot of options. Respectfully, a lot of times we don't necessarily choose golfing places, i.e. let's look at an Atlantic City that is not designed around Known that. for golf. Um, 
but yeah, the house is the house is great. I, I think you were you had, you were giving me some questions about it when you guys were picking out, deciding on it. Yeah. Uh, oh then, fuck, nice. And, and what if we had some opinions? And uh, well, I, have, I have opinions every <laughs> once in a while. Hey, hey, I I had your back. All right, I had your back. And King beds. It, yeah. Well, it was it was mostly the. Do we want hot the one tub. that? Do we want jacuzzi? <laughs> it's gonna be like a hundred degrees the entire time we're there. You don't want the hot tub. Oh, I know. Uh, time. But. Like there was the one house had like the a big like gathering area oh, kind of situation yeah, yeah, yeah. that realistically everyone's going to be hung over and not really getting up and moving much and wanting to utilize a, a ping pong table for example versus oh, that's right. versus there was one that had a pool yeah. where I can see a lot of people just be like I could just float in this water for you know three hours before we have to get up and go so I think we're we're gonna really enjoy having that pool well in the morning. when we were planning this. I was like September for a pool. Like I, I had to check the average weather. I'm like, don't they close after cold. Labor Day? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, what's the forecast? A hundred all weekend? Yeah, it's Christ. gonna be toasty. Just bought some gold bond at the grocery. But store. Uh, it, it is a little disappointing <laughs> because I don't think there's like beds for everybody, right? Plus, no, oh, that's no fun. So we don't get to share beds. I couldn't. I couldn't. I'll bunk up with someone. Yeah. <laughs> we have a spare bed if anyone wants to come stay. <laughs> So we got Thursday night football down in Pioneers. That should be fun. We'll find a cool bar. Collins coming in a little late, but he'll be coming in hot from the beach. So we got oh, Lions. Be ready. Lions versus Chiefs. I mean, just is so excited to kick the football. His season chances off. have gone up drastically now. Yeah, Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. Out. I mean, you know, it's it's a big week for the Lions. A lot of lot of hype around them. So I can't wait to watch them lose, and we can make fun of Collins for the rest of the week. A full slate of college football Saturday. That's true. Maybe we can find a uh, sell wins equivalent. Oh, stop. I don't think that's going to happen, but oh, hey, we are. can always drive there. Yeah, There are some cool places in Southern <laughs> That Pines, seems questionable. <laughs> and then uh, final question. Who is going to spend the most money on merchandise at Tobacco Road? Bradshaw. Bradshaw, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to spend the least? Kevin. <laughs> I just want to pack a. Daniel gave her twenty dollars for the weekend. That's what he's got to so, figure it out. So, one thing to keep in mind for Tobacco Road, I need to look into this more. But apparently, those like, I don't know what you call them, those like skateboard golf carts, we're not using those, are like free. Like uh, it's it's the free. Same as using a golf cart. Oh, I can, can just run. Those. I can run. <laughs> now I'm, I know I'm going to hurt myself if I do this. Well, it'd be worth the experience. I'm kind of intrigued by yeah. this. Uh, I'm not trying just to think, injure myself. Just think, you, you can tell ride shot a 79 bunker. riding one of these. I don't want to be like JP and be like, I shot a 79, I rolled my ankle on a gopher hole and hole two, and just like that's all part of the story. I just want to go out casually, easy, 17 transfusions, <laughs> <It's> 79. <laughs> yeah, what's the what's the over-under on cost for a double transfusion at Tobacco Road? Well, Tyler's paying for our round, so I'm not as oh, worried about go. it anymore. So. <laughs> It's all golf money. round, not a round of transfusion. I did that once, and it's not <laughs> happening again. I think I'm going to go out and buy a pair of Vans, so when I show up to the golf course in my Vans, I'm like, yeah, he can get one of those skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should find an old pair of Etnies you probably have at your parents' house. I still got Heelys. Maybe I'll bring those. <laughs> you would have Heelys. I don't. You liar. <laughs> you liar. Larry has Heelys. Well, I lost the wheels. They are Heelys, but they don't have the wheels. <laughs> All right, that does it for us tonight. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram. Follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod, and we'll see you Maybe next week for a recap of the bachelor party. We'll see how the BPO health is after that. Thanks, everyone.